when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Welcome to Global Change Agents with me, Leanna Brinded, the Digest Edition, a podcast brought to you by Yahoo Finance UK. You can watch a full version of this interview by heading over to yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. Joining me today is Jacqueline Gold, the Chief Executive of Ann Summers Knickerbox and Gold Group International. In her early 20s, Jacqueline developed the transformational Ann Summers party concept. Under her leadership, the business has grown into a multi-channel retailer with annual sales of over £100 million. So, Jacqueline, welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, business acumen, entrepreneurship uh, occurred at a very early age for you. Can you tell me about the puzzles job and any other early jobs that has shaped how you are today? Oh, I had so many part-time jobs. You know, in those days, you know, you could work at 13 and... And of course, I did the puzzles uh, at 13 years old. I was designing crossword puzzles for 50p a time. But I've, I've worked in a restaurant as a waitress. I've done hairdressing. Um, I just, I think I had quite a difficult childhood and I was just looking for financial independence. So that was always, um, I guess that was, you know, part of my makeup, my personality, um, always looking for those type of opportunities. How at 12 and 13 you came about the crossword puzzle job? I mean, it sounds amazing even if someone got that job now at such a young age. How did you seek that out? I, I think the thing is, in those days, you know, we didn't have... Oh God, it makes me sound ancient. But, you know, we, we didn't have computers, so everything was done by hand. You know, you design literally... I used to do the word search puzzles as well. And, of course, I am demon at, Scr at Scrabble, as you can probably imagine. <laughs> But like you said, you've had a range of jobs and you're always finding, you know, to be that financially independent, all these different range of jobs. At 19, you joined Dan Summers. What was the path that led you there? Well, I was working at Roald Dalton at the time and um, it wasn't where I wanted to go. Um, I wanted something more, more challenging. I left there. I went to work at Ann Summers purely for work experience. I had no intention of staying. It was a very male-dominated business. Um, and, you know, you can imagine it, it wasn't particularly female friendly. Um, and I was there for just over a year. And uh, I did every various job there with working on payroll. I was uh, typing in numbers, doing all sorts of things. And then I got invited to a Tupperware party in Thamesmead. Um, and the people at the party, the women at the party, knew that I worked at Ann Summers. We got talking about Ann Summers and women... You know, the women at the party were saying, we want to be able to buy sexy underwear. We want to be able to spice up our sex lives, but we're too embarrassed to go into a sex shop. And that's really when the penny dropped and I thought, there's something in this. Um, and then obviously, uh, I then, you know, took it on from there, put together a, a sort of a business plan because I had no business training. You know, I had no um, experience in retail or, or direct selling. So 
it was quite an interesting journey. Well, Anne Summers has broken the barriers of a lot of taboos and uh, I suppose especially within retail. But can you talk about the journey on when you presented those business plans or looking for investment? Was it as simple as, hey, here's the light bulb moment and everyone was on board? Was there any challenges <laughs> or barriers that you had to get those ideas through? Oh, my goodness. Um, absolutely. Uh, I've, well, first of all, after that party, I did some parties myself just so that I could, uh, you know, gauge how I wanted this to be. And one of the decisions I actually made very early on was that this has got to be for women only. That's the only way it would work. And I remember I'd, I'd, uh, I was given some time to attend the board meeting. And, you know, for I was 21 at the time. And to, I, I still remember to this day walking down that corridor, feeling so nervous, my heart jumping out my chest and uh, walking in, into this room of grey-suited men, um, all sitting around the table. And at, at one point, obviously, I was asked to present my idea because I wanted funding to be able to advertise. And um, I remember one board member actually throwing his pen on the table, standing up and saying, well, this isn't going to work, is it? Women aren't even interested in sex. And I remember thinking, oh, my God goodness, this says a lot more about your sex life than it does about my <laughs> idea. Um, but obviously, I had to remain respectful. And, um, you know, this was a real culture change for the business, because it was a business that had only ever uh, served men, you know, they're, they're, it was a real cultural change to the business and to society. Um, because I started advertising in the London Evening Standard, I would drive up to the Strand Palace Hotel every week, uh, to talk to people about my idea. I recruited women there and then. Um, I trained them up myself. And it was amazing, women from different walks of life, you know, they wanted to not just spice up their sex lives, but they wanted to earn money. They wanted to have fun doing it at the same time. And, I mean, it grew at such a rate. Um, I think in the first year we had 500 sales organisers to a point where I had to stop advertising because, you know, we had teething problems. When you grow that fast, you need to slow down and and I think we need, to get, we need to get things right first. Did you have mentors or sponsors along the way, especially when you're saying that you're at a time where you have this incredible idea, you're doing all this yourself and building it up. Did you have someone, whether inside or outside the company, that helped mentor you and shepherd you along and kept you resilient? I mean, I, I, I started the Anne Summers party plan something like 35 years ago. And unfortunately, the culture wasn't so uh, supportive as it is today. I mean, the, the mentoring opportunities today are fantastic. And certainly for me, there weren't really that many female role models. I think you had Anita Roddick was one. Um, uh, Debbie from Pineapple Studios was another. And that was pretty much about it. Um, my father was a, a, a great mentor in the sense that he was full of, um, you know, he would say, I, I remember now, he would still say... Um, there's nothing more to fear than fear itself. So I think that's where I got a lot of my courage from. Um, but my inspiration then and actually today still comes from my customers. You know, I think if you're listening to your customers and they're in, in, inspiring you, there's nothing more, you know, nothing more sort of motivating and, and inspiring than hearing it straight from, from the people that you're serving. So when it comes to your personal life, how has that affected you in terms of like building that resilience? You, throughout your career, you've been a fighter. Mm -hmm. um, so 
in your memoir that you wrote um, called Please Let It Stop, you detailed obviously your life and obviously that shapes you of how you are as a business person, find it, you know, being able to navigate all the challenges. Can you talk a bit about what you felt like key moments in your life that really shaped you? Yeah, I think that certainly there is a lot that I've, I've been through. Um, obviously, I had a very difficult childhood, which, which you refer to in that book. Um, uh, I lost my son at eight months old. Um, I've had breast cancer. I've received a bullet through the post when I tried to open a store in um, Dublin. Um, so I've, I, and that's, you know, just the beginning. I've, there's been other issues as well. But I think that, you know, it, it has shaped my life. I have to be honest. I mean, never would I want to wish those things on myself uh, again. But when I, I always look for the positive in things. And when I look back, you know, you can, you can take the turn, I'm going to be a victim and I'm going to live my life feeling sorry for myself. And that's, you know, not undermining anybody else who's been through anything like that, like what I've been through. But for me personally, if I can see this, if I can find a way to see this as an opportunity um, and, I don't know, take breast cancer, you know, a horrendous thing to have to go through. But I thought, you know what, there is an opportunity here for me to have a second chance. There's an opportunity here for me to live a healthier life, to eat, eat healthier, to be more engaged with life and do the things that I feel really passionate about, then I'm going to take that and use that to, um, to, get, to get over this. And that's really what I've done with all of the different things that, that have happened. So, yeah, I think, I think those things have made me very strong and have helped me deal with many of the challenges that, you know, you're not expecting and that, that are th thrown at you by life. It sounds like very much succeeding through adversity. Do you think especially when it comes to the business world and a woman in the business world, that adversity actually fuels that kind of drive and power in order to move up the ladder? I just didn't like feeling bullied. I remember when I received that bullet through the post. Um, I, I'd been on a journey where we'd looked to open this store in, in Dublin and the Dublin Corporation wouldn't let us have the... Well, in fact, they, they had no choice, but we wanted this location in O'Connell Street and they tried to stop us from opening it. And I, I thought, you know what, I'm going to call them over, let them meet me, let them see our business and what we're trying to achieve. Because all I ever really wanted to do was empower women in the bedroom. I wasn't trying to shock people. I wanted, I wanted to change uh, everything. All decisions were being made by men. You know, you, it, it, there was just such an opportunity to empower women through the parties. And then, of course, when the parties were successful, and they were hugely successful in Ireland, there was a great opportunity to open stores. Um, and, uh, you know, these, these Alan and Kieran, their names were, they came over. And um, to cut a long story short, um, you know, they were men on a mission. They had, a, they had an agenda. And their, their parting words to me was, we cannot be held responsible for what might happen to you. And of course, nothing to do with them, of course, but I did then receive the bullet through the post. Um, and I just thought, no, this is, you know, you'll forgive me for considering not going over there to the opening. But then I thought, I have to go. This is what I believe in. I know this is going to be successful. Um, and it was amazing. I, I, on, the, on the first day of opening, we had 
10,000 people through the door signing our petition. So I think all of those things, uh, and of course not to mention I was arrested twice, and one, one example was, uh, the best example was when I, I had a stand at the Women's World Exhibition in Bristol. And, uh, you know, I wasn't actually, I was displaying, I wasn't selling, and I was doing it very responsibly, I promise. Um, but I was arrested and I was told to close down the stand, otherwise they'd press charges. And I thought, do you know what, I know I'm not doing anything wrong here, I'm going to carry on. And of course I did, and they didn't come back. So, you know, sometimes we just have to, it's about courage. So it's not just about resilience, it's about thinking, no, I believe in this, I feel passionate about it. And that's what I did. So in um, 2003, you actually took the government to court, um, and that's especially around the right to advertise in job centres for Anne Summers. I mean, it sounds very much in line of standing up and take, <laughs> yeah, taking that stand and having that wider effect on society. I mean, can you talk through the process on when you're like, right, this is going to happen, and, and then what the process was like during that, and of course, maybe how the attitudes have changed? since that moment yeah i um we all of a sudden they stopped us advertising in job centers and you know as a as a business at the time we i think we had a, a, about 130 stores and many uh, uh, retailers will use job centers to recruit re retail staff mm. particularly in areas where you 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 there aren't um recruitment agencies or local papers um so this was a this was a um a big problem for us and we weren't operating on a fair level playing field, so, you know, with our competitors. So I did what I did with Ireland, actually. I invited the people at the job centre, the senior people, to Ann Summers to show them, you know, introduce them to some of our staff who'd been hugely successful, had worked their way up the ladder into, you know, senior roles, and to show them how important it was to our business. They turned us down and refused to come. So I had no choice but to take it take legal action and um, decided to take them to court it actually went to the high court um, there was a two-day trial or, or two-day case um, I remember all the paparazzi outside and the pressure of that court case but again we felt that people had the right to have the choice of where they where they worked you know it wasn't for uh, the job center to decide where people could and couldn't couldn't work it was for those people to choose themselves um, and I'm pleased to say that we won the case. Um, and the irony is that with all the press outside, we were um, the lead story on News at 10, so we didn't actually have to advertise for some time <laughs> after, um, which was quite ironic. But, um, you know, I, I felt at the time it was very important to put our stake in the ground and, and to stand up for what we believe in. The platform that you have and your influence, one of the things that you talk about a lot, which is great, is about empowering women. So how do you feel about women's networking groups and things like that? Because, I mean, originally, I suppose, one of the big things about having that networking group, when there wasn't support, when there wasn't as much progression as there is now, is that that was a way of trying to help each other out, to try and find those other avenues, to try and rise up the ladder or get advice, get advice from uh, people like yourself that have had a huge success and mm. some people who are lower down the ladder like, please help me. Um, so, but how do you feel about networking groups in that sense then, if um, that's a kind of a traditional way of helping empower women are you for those I mean I think networking for men and women is crucial I mean, if there was one regret I have in my career it was not networking my socks off because every time you go to an event whether it be for women only or it from you know mm. uh, 
you have an opportunity to change your life. You have an opportunity to meet somebody new that could make a difference, that could influence you, take you in a different direction, give you a new opportunity. So I think women do have a tendency to say, you know, they're either intimidated by going to a networking event or, um, you know, maybe they feel that they're too busy doing other things. So, of course, I would say I'm supportive of female-only networking events. I've, I've supported many myself. But I think the, the key here is to find a way to be able to go to mixed events and make the benefit of all opportunities and not just, you know, use it as a stepping stone. Um, and my advice, if I, if I could give advice, is to, you know, do your research beforehand. Whatever event, carefully select the events that you think are going to benefit you. Look at who's attending. Look at who's speaking. Look at who in advance that you want to meet with. Engage with them beforehand so that when you do go, you know, you're, you, you've got a reason to go over and engage so it's not awkward. And remember that these networking events are not about sealing the deal or promoting your product. It's about building relationships. So when you actually leave the next day, you should be then re-engaging arranging for a coffee, you know, and I think if you do all of these things and and, um, overcome the barriers that make it difficult in going in the first place, you'll suddenly realise the huge benefit that they bring. So, I mean, in that exact same vein, I think it's um, really fantastic that you've used an inventive way to, uh, I suppose, put the spotlight on others. Um, you're very active on Twitter and you do the hashtags W-O-W and M-O-M. I mean, it'd be great if you talk about that. And when did you first start doing that and think, OK, this is something that I'm going to keep on doing rather than a one week only event? Yeah. Well, this is something I love doing this. This is Wednesdays are my favourite day because... Um, I do a competition every Wednesday called WOW, which stands for Women on Wednesday. And it's been going a number of years. Um, I'm, I'm guessing about seven years. And uh, women tweet me their business and uh, they showcase what they do. And I then will look through the hundreds um, of replies that I've had and I will pick my top three and then I will uh, retweet and promote the top three the top three. Uh, women that I've chosen. I have a Facebook page. We have a whole community. It's fantastic to see these women um, interact and trade with each other. I do a mentoring lunch, which I actually have uh, on Thursday, um, tomorrow, um, that I do for my WOW winners. And then I invite them down to our head office and we have a mentoring day where they can meet with our experts. And sometimes I've even done sort of market stalls in our head office. So I do as much as I can to support to support women because there are so many amazing, amazing businesses out there. Um, you know, women that have perhaps struggled with a glass ceiling or, you know, are wanting to return for, to work after having children. And there are some incredible stories out there. And if that can help inspire those women and other women, then that's something that I love doing. Um, you know, we should be, we should love what we're doing. We want to have a reason to get up every day and, uh, you know, be ex- excited what lies ahead. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Leanna. I've loved it. Thanks for listening to Global Change Agents with me, Leanna Brinded, produced by Yahoo Finance UK. A full version of this interview can be found at yahoo.co.uk forward slash change agents. And for more information, go to uk.finance.yahoo.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. 
You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.